Lord Jesus, we come before you. And Lord, to sing about your goodness is one thing, but to believe that you are good is another thing. And I pray that we would be a people in this place today that is reminded, Lord, as life brings come what may, your goodness endures. Your love endures. Your faithfulness endures not just for a day, but for forever. So in this place, Lord, as I know that it is filled with stories, it is filled with some heartbreak. I met one with a heart broken walking in the door today. There is hearts in here filled with joy. Lord, come what may. Lord, you are good. And in this place today, I pray your goodness would be so before us and not just before us, but within us. That it would be such a believed place in our heart that our song would not be a song that is sung simply when things are going good. But Lord, it would be a song that we would declare and sing because it is the song that we go to day after day. Come what may, we sing of your goodness. And so Lord, we in this place, our hearts are thankful. We are thankful because you are good and your love endures forever. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. Yes, on this day. He has been good. It has been, um, it's crazy how it comes every year like this, right? And it feels like it was yesterday that we were here in this very moment. And every year, I think when we enter this place on this day, it's exciting. We, whenever you know the House of Hope truck is out front, you know it's He Has Been Good Day because He has been good to us. Um, but there's always this temptation inside of this day that that we reflect on the things that God did and has done. We desire him to do in our lives, and we miss the bigger truth. In fact, the core truth. In fact, if this truth doesn't exist and is not true, then we don't celebrate this day. And that is this. God alone is good. So before we kind of dig into the message today and we go forward, uh, we need to sit inside of that truth. It's so easy to move past that and start reflecting on all the things and all the treasures of this last year and so Thanksgiving. But when we move past our greatest Thanksgiving is simply who he is, the other things become very conditional in our lives. And we make our love for him conditional. But he has given us an agape love for him. So I want us to sit in that for just a second. God alone is good. God alone is absolutely good. The perfection and completeness of his goodness has no Achilles heel. It has no chink in its armor. And it has no crack in its foundation. God alone is forever good. Repeat this after me. He has been good. Now, some of you are adding words to what I just said. Repeat after me. He has been good. He is good. He will forever be good. 
you do not sound excited about those three incredible truths. So I want to give you another chance on that. And online, we need your help. These people in this room need your help. So with a heart of thanksgiving, he has been good. He is good. He will forever be good. God alone is unchangeably good. Don't repeat that. God alone is unchangeably good. His goodness never changes. It is never greater than, it is never less than at any point in time. God alone is immeasurably good. His goodness has no length that ends, no height that is reached, no depth that bottoms out. And God alone is supremely good. His goodness overpowers every evil, every time, and in every way. God alone is good. How is it even possible that people like you and people like me are allowed to know and experience his goodness? Really, I mean, really. Who are we? Who are we that his goodness would extend to us? So let's be very honest. It's important that we're honest when we're thinking about the goodness of God, that it is a gift that he has given us that is undeserved. Because without his grace and his mercy, we would still be those sheep that were lost and that were hungry and that were afraid. Without him loving us first, what would we do? I don't know what we would do, but I know what we wouldn't do, and that would be love him. He loved us first, that we would love him. So how, with this disparity, how is it even possible? There's only one way through only one person. Say his name with me. Jesus. God saw us. He saw us in our desperate need. We needed a Savior. And so it was out of God's great love for us that he sent to us his only son to be our good shepherd, the perfect Savior. The The second belief statement this morning that builds off of that is that when he sent Jesus, Jesus came to us. And when he came to us, he was moved with compassion. And the apostle John in his gospel tells us, and this is, this should be an intrigue that will last us for all of eternity. Because at the very end of the gospel of John, he tells us, he says, if we were to write down all the things that Jesus said, and if we would write down all all the things that Jesus did, the pages of this world could not hold all of those things. But Matthew helps us. He gives us a concise, um, a concise telling of when Jesus was on earth, what he did and his motivation inside of doing those things. So Matthew 9, 35 and 36 says this. And Jesus went throughout all of the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep 
without a shepherd. Inside of this, the beginning of this verse in 35, we start to see a threefold ministry. When God sent his only son to us because we needed that. Out of his goodness and his love, he did that. When Jesus walked inside of this, this world and this earth, those last three years of his life became his public ministry. It is that glorious time where the unveiling of the Son of God and the Son of Man became to the eyes of man and the ears of man. And it says he did three things. It says that he taught, he preached, and he healed. But inside of this, when he taught, I love what this says here, is that when he came, he went directly to the people. He didn't build a church and say, come, all ye who want to hear. He went to them. And he didn't just go to them in a random kind of a way. It says he went where? He went to their synagogues. In that Galilee area, those synagogues represented the very center of life for those people. This is where they learned, and that's where they worshiped. And Jesus went to those synagogues in city after city and village after village. He went directly to where the people were. And when he walked through the door, he brought words of life and light that had an authority that had never been heard before. He was the living word speaking directly to their ears. Emmanuel, the promised Emmanuel, God with us, walked into the synagogue. He went into synagogue after synagogue after synagogue after synagogue. And as he walked through the door, life came to where they lived. Truth came to where they learned. The Son of God Think about this. The Son of God came to where they worshipped. And they didn't know who he was. He not only came to teach and to preach, he came to heal. And he did it as he did with teaching and preaching. He did it with all of authority. Jesus healed, I love this, every disease, every affliction. When we start to experience affliction and we start to experience diseases, sometimes it feels so big. Sometimes it feels like it's ruling the day. And we need to come back to this verse because it clearly tells us Jesus is stronger than every. Than every. And as we've gone through the study of the book of Mark, chapters 1 all the way through 10, we've seen this. And throughout the Gospels, Jesus healed. Listen to who he healed. He healed both Jew and Gentile. He healed men, women, and children. He healed the demon-possessed, the blind, the deaf, the mute. He healed both the poor and the rich alike. He healed synagogue leaders and the outcasts of society. And oftentimes, he did it back to back. He wants us to understand his heart. His heart loves his creation. And do we understand that we are his creation? So Jesus taught and he 
preached and he healed. But then that next verse in verse 36, it tells us something really important. And Matthew reveals the heart of Jesus, the motivation of Jesus. Verse 36 says, when he saw the crowds, his heart was moved with what? Compassion. A motivator of Jesus' heart is compassion. He saw people through a lens that you and I often do not see people through. His lens was always set, and it always saw people in the same kind of a way. He saw people through his holy compassion. He didn't see people like we often see people, and that's through our flesh's response to uncomfortable situations by anger, agitation, or annoyance. We can easily become annoyed, or maybe I'm just doing my personal testimony there, right? But Jesus saw people with a holy compassion. The Greek word for compassion here. You're supposed to say excuse you. Okay. It's the strongest. Listen, this word, this Greek word. This is where we love Greek and English just doesn't do it for us. Because in English, we just have one word for everything. All right. It has the same kind. We mean different things, but we say the same word. Not so in Greek. This Greek word is the strongest word for compassion. In fact, this word means a visceral response to when we see suffering or affliction. It's not just seeing it with the eyes. There's something that happens into the deepest part of our gut, of our being, inside of our spirit. When Jesus saw people suffering, that was his response. And this word does not just have this feeling attached to it. The feeling, the strong inward feeling produced something. It produces a desire to relieve or remove the affliction. It can't just sit and say, I'm going to pray for you. It moves close to it, not removing itself far away from it. But here's the most significant and interesting thing about this particular Greek word. Splanchnizomai, I'm just enjoying saying that. Splanchnizomai is found, listen, only in the Gospels and only in reference to Jesus or a parable Jesus was telling. In other words, Jesus owns this word. We can't duplicate this word in our own works and efforts. He owns Splunknizomai. Why? Jesus is the incarnation of God's fullness of compassion. The way God saw us before the cross is the same way Jesus saw us when his feet were on this ground. Jesus was fully God and he was fully man on this earth. The attitudes and emotions he had in heaven were the same as the attitudes and the emotion he had on this earth. He never ceased to be God. 
So Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw people harassed and troubled, helpless and scattered, hungry and hopeless, afflicted and tormented. This brings us to our last belief statement of the morning. First belief statement was God alone is good. The second, Jesus came to us and was moved with compassion. The third, because Christ lives in us, we are moved by his compassion. I received um, a, a text message yesterday from our Agape Women's Ministry Executive Director in um, Emory Gusky. So I had prepared, at that point, I had a whole prepared teaching point under this belief statement. But when I received the text message, I read through it and I went, this testimony teaches this truth so much better than my words ever could. So let me give you a little context and then I want to read it for you. About two years ago, the Lord did something that shocked us amazed us and still overwhelms us in that about two years ago the door the lord opened doors inside of our community that had always been closed and to be frank we ignored and really didn't even desire to acknowledge that they existed because it caused and was holding so much darkness and that is the adult entertainment industry that's around us um and specifically those um um, facilities that are on Cocoa Beach. The Lord opened up a door that only can be credited to him. For our Agape Women's um, Center and ministry to be able to enter those doors and start ministering and loving and getting to know those ladies. Two years. It started with one club. Now it is at three clubs. Twice a month, There is a group of ladies that enter those three clubs every single month. Sometimes they're bringing food. Sometimes they're bringing gifts. But they're always just bringing themselves. It's really important for you to understand as I read this text message that that you understand that they are now affectionately called by those in that industry and those that they see twice a month as the church ladies. So that's who they are known as in that. We've had on the street, we have um, House of Hope is doing an incredible um, gathering of turkeys and food. And there's going to be a phenomenal ministry tomorrow morning to our community that are hungry. And they will make a beautiful display of Christ's love for those. On Friday night, this past Friday night, our Agape Church Ladies that we partner with a beautiful partnership with um, um, Church of Vieira. Um, there was a group of ladies that met and went out to those three clubs twice on Friday, one for the afternoon shift and one for the evening shift. Our partners at Church of Vieira had prepared over 150 Thanksgiving baskets. Those 150 Thanksgiving baskets were delivered 
to those in that industry that we are developing relationships. And when I say we, I mean they are developing relationships inside of those adult entertainment clubs. And this is the text that I received that was the report of what God did on Friday. Thanksgiving outreach was a beautiful day in dark places. I keep thinking how Jesus purposefully went to connect with the woman at the well. He went to her. That is what we are doing as the church ladies. We are going to their shameful, dark, messy world. Their sin and shame would never allow them to come to us first. There's a wall. It is only Jesus that can go and chip away at that wall. On Friday night, we prayed, we hugged, we learned real names, we saw pictures of kids, we listened to heavy stories, we talked about eternal life. Now, I have to stop there because I know the story in this. They gave one um, lady a Bible. She had asked for a Bible. She just opened it up. And we, as pastors, we don't recommend you to have your quiet time in this kind of way. But she just opened it up and she looked at a verse and she asked Anne Marie, she said, what does that word mean? And what she pointed to was the phrase eternal life. So in the club, Anne Marie was able to start introducing this young lady what eternal life means. We gave out Bibles. We discussed Bible translations. We were, we were given money for the ministry from dancers and customers. It gets better, all right? We had customers ask what church we are a part of and were in disbelief that our church would dare enter a place like the club's. We helped girls with their wardrobe. We sang happy birthday to a dancer. One church lady is now called auntie by a dancer. We met new owners at the club that offered for us to use their building for an event. Isn't that beautiful, though? I mean, that is like only God can do this. We go because of Jesus. It's what he would do. It's what he is doing. That's the compassion of Jesus. And on Magnolia, this road, it's not just represented in agape. We are watching with such joy that overflows. MICS faculty, teachers, administration that are focused so squarely on the life of the kid, on the heart of the student, that they would know Jesus. And then when they know Jesus, that they would grow in knowing Jesus. I just shared part of the agape story. Another part of the agape story is how every lady that walks in inside of a crisis pregnancy is treated with such dignity and such respect. And our commitment to those ladies walking into those places and that place and through that door in that kind of a moment is that we love you. 
Whatever decision you make, you need to know that we love you and we will walk with you. And introducing Jesus to them through a love and a compassion that only he has. House of hope. Yes, you see the turkeys there. But what you don't see is the transitional housing that houses six men. Many are coming from prison and wanting the transition out of that life into this life. People coming from addiction and being able to transition. Our partnership that we have with TLC in New York for that um, very focused help with those that are struggling with addiction. Why? We could teach kids. We could provide services. We could hand out food and clothing. And that could all happen in the flesh. We could do it out of empathy and sympathy. But when we do it out of empathy and sympathy, the greatest thing that we could possibly achieve at that point would simply be creating a cause. Jesus is not about creating a cause. He is a shepherd who loves sheep, who wants to protect them, who wants to feed them, who wants to guide them, who laid down his life for them. So as we bear forth Christ in our lives, It is his compassion that moves us. We have the compassion of Jesus alive in us. We don't have to try to have compassion like him. We simply need to let his compassion live in and through us. Why? Because we see different. We see with his compassion. All of a sudden, we don't see people that are agitating us. We see people, and we see people as sheep who are harassed and troubled. We see sheep who are helpless and miserable. We see sheep that need Jesus, the good shepherd. And let me just insert a parenthesis here. You're not the good shepherd. You are not their fix. You are not their healer. You are not the one that can remove the pain and the suffering. God may use you, but he is only using you as far as you allow him to be the shepherd. Him to be the great physician. Him to be the lover of their soul and their savior. And out of that, we are moved. We don't just see suffering and affliction and walk by. Instead, we are moved. From the inside out, we are moved by his compassion. We move toward those who are vulnerable instead of walking by them. And I just want to leave you with a parable that Jesus spoke. It's in Luke 10. Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, 
pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had, it's the same word, compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? The lawyer said, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. can't assume that everyone here is just unemployed because they choose to be, right? You can't assume they're not hardworking people, okay? We have the single mom that has a job. She's got two or three kids. Um, she's working full-time, and that's still not enough in today's present day and age. A lot of retired people retired here. They're getting $900 a month, $1,100 a month. It's not enough to make it. Some of our clients can be homeless, okay? That's about 25 to 30% of our clients, right? Some of our clients have drug and alcohol issues that make it almost impossible for them to carry on a normal job situation. You have no idea what the, tra the tragedies that occur in lives that derail them, a loss of a spouse, okay, uh, a death of a child, right? You never know what's gonna derail someone. We know the only way into their heart, a lot of them don't know anything about Christ. We know that by sharing the love of Christ, by being kind to them in their time of need, the food is not the reason, the clothes are not the reason, the bikes are not the reason. The reason is to change their eternal destination. Last Monday, 21 people accepted Christ. That is the primary reason that we're here, is that through loving them, their heart softens and they say, they'll say to you, why do you guys do this? and then you get to tell the story why. We see women from all walks of life. They are as young as 13 years old sometimes that are coming through our doors. We have women that are living on the street, they're living in the woods, and they come to our drop-in center for a cup of coffee and a shower. Some of the big choices that women are facing are whether they continue their pregnancy. If they're young, maybe they're just entering college and this is an unplanned pregnancy, they're trying to decide if they're going to have support financially and from their family and friends to support their pregnancy. So they are truly making a life and death decision when they come to Agape. We have women that are coming to Agape that are being sexually exploited and they really want out of that industry. 
because it abuses their soul. They tell me that it drains their soul, but they don't know what is next. They're scared to take that next step because they don't know how they're going to continue to have a roof over their head or food to eat and food to provide for their children. We understand that not every woman is going to need a pregnancy test right now, but she might need a friend to talk to, she might need some food to take home to her family, and we wanted to offer her that. And that's also to us being about pro-abundant life. It's not just caring for the unborn, but it's also caring for that woman. And so when they come in here and they're able to just sit down and do their laundry without being asked to do anything, that speaks volumes to them about the love of Christ. Our students today are facing the same challenges that students anywhere else face when it comes to our culture. Whether it's from the pandemic and the loneliness that still exists from being isolated for so long, or whether it's social media and all the darkness that is present there, we want our students to be equipped with the light of Jesus to shine in a dark place. We want them to be connected to their friends in a real and in-person kind of way. And so we're helping our students not look like the school down the street, but be uncommon in the way that they approach daily struggles. Kids are going to feel a little bit nervous anytime they walk into a new environment, but from the first time they see paw prints on the sidewalk and walk in our doors, they know that this is a place where they belong and they can feel comfortable. And within just a few short days or even short weeks, they are raising their hand, they're fully engaged in a classroom, they're asking for prayer requests, they're hanging out with new friends at lunch, and they found a real home here at MICS. Some of our parents choose us because they want academic excellence. Some parents choose us because it's safer than the school down the street. Some of our parents choose us because we do everything from a distinctly biblical worldview Gospel-centered discipleship is central to everything we do here, including academics, all of our teacher trainings, and just the day-to-day -day life that we live here at MICS. There are many different reasons why parents choose to send their kids to us. And we take all of those opportunities and harness them because we really believe that the power of the gospel is the primary thing that's gonna transform lives. A lot of the people that do community service here are considerably younger. And all of a sudden they're working with 70-year-olds, 80-year-olds. Our oldest volunteer currently working with us is 94 years old. His name is Clarence. He works in a bike shop, been faithful there for years. And that intergenerational connection is a really, really neat thing to see. I think the, the reason that we're able to pull it off is the people actually love serving alongside each other. The attitude is infectious, okay? They love serving alongside. We have a good time while we're here, all right? They get exercise while they're here. They have fellowship while they're here. And they get to serve and help people. They get to know our clients. Our client base is very, very diverse, right? It runs the gamut. Not only do they get the food, the help, and the clothing, um, they can get counseling out here with our, our uh, counselors. They can get some, you know, medical care, okay, with the nurses and the RNs we have on staff here. Um, they can get, we invite other agencies to come and put space here so we can connect them with community resources outside of what we use here. So they can get a lot of different connections. It's 
When you start having empathy and care and love and nurturing, Jesus saw, he was moved with compassion, and then he did. And that's what we try to do here. We have a large group of volunteers that serve at Agape Women's Center, whether that's women serving as client advocates in the pregnancy center, nurses that are serving as advocates in the pregnancy center, women that are working in our baby boutique to greet clients that come in the door to get diapers for their children, or the Agape Church ladies that are going out into the adult entertainment industry. We realize that a lot of trafficking takes place in the sex industry, in adult entertainment clubs. And so we started going into adult entertainment clubs here in Brevard County. Part of our outreach is now including an online outreach. We have bought a software program and we're able to send a text message and it scans the dark web and it goes to women that have placed ads for sex on the website. And so when a woman receives that message, she's able to respond and we're able to engage in conversations with her. And we're able to tell her about services available in Brevard County that can help her, including services at Agape Women's Center. I think teachers choose to teach here at MICS as opposed to anywhere else because it's life-giving for them. It's not just about their credentials and what they're equipped to do, but our teachers feel a deep sense of calling to be here. It's not only their occupational profession, but it's their sense of ministry to impact students' lives with the power of the gospel to pour into them the life opportunities and experiences they've had. It definitely goes far beyond the scope of academics and lesson planning and curriculum for our teachers. We really believe Romans 1.16, that is the power of the gospel to transform lives like nothing else can. And so that is first and foremost and central to everything we do is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everything about our culture is permeated by the kindness of Christ. And so even in discipline situations or things that we have to redirect students, which that happens in any school setting, we just do that in a way that is loving and kind and gentle because our faculty and staff are filled with the Holy Spirit and they operate within that in their calling and in their gifting. And most families Maybe even all families that walk through our doors notice that difference right away. The exciting thing about being right here on Magnolia is that our students get the opportunity to leave the four walls of the classroom and simply walk down the street. It is, it's, it's a picture of Jesus serving, okay? And this is why I love working with our volunteers, okay? It's not one person, it's the team, it's the body of Christ coming together. And it's not just First Baptist. It's Georgiana people, it's Calvary Chapel people, it's the community people who love businesses come in, who want to come along and serve us. It's kids from schools, it's colleges that come in, all right? It's people doing community service, right? It is truly affecting the entire community that we're in. Every woman that serves at Agape Women's Center 
does so because they believe it's a calling that Christ has put on their heart and in their life. Agape means unconditional love. And it is our hope and desire that for every woman that walks into this building that she feels the love of Jesus Christ. It's just an incredible story to be right here on one street serving together at House of Hope Agape and MICS. And we're so delighted to be part of that story.